Three, two, one. This is Field Day with Katie Black. Okay, what's up, you guys? Welcome to Field Day with Katie Black. Today I have with me... Marcus Morrell. How is everybody doing today? What up, Marcus? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. You know, you guys know I record a little bit out, but it's the beginning of December and, you know, an interesting, cool, fun time. Do you like the holidays? Holidays are... They're, they're fun. Um, I'm more of a Halloween type of guy, so I definitely <laughs> love Halloween. That's my holiday. Um, this holiday for the for Christmas time frame is more for my children. Um, like to see them happy, you know, seeing family members. Uh, that's the time I really take during this holiday time frame is more for family. That's fair. That's fair. Real quick, like what's your favorite scary movie? Ooh. Definitely like a lot of Halloweens. I, I like when Rob Zombie came back and remade Halloween. He made uh, Michael a lot more larger to life, uh, more of the, the actual person that he is. He, he seemed more like it. Um, it's sad and unfortunate, but unfortunately, we have these Michael Meyer incidents in real life every day when these prisoners take these vans and just get fucked. Oh, crazy yeah so but yeah but that's probably my favorite one because it's more close to reality yeah michael myers is like i've always i'm a pop culture nut as well and i've just wondered i feel like in the last 10 years like there's some kind of real mainstream fascination that's picked up with him and i always kind of wonder what that's about you know right I, I, i would say when i was a kid it was definitely jason was a spooky one um but I used to watch a lot of Michael Myers, and, it, and it, at that age, it just I couldn't mentally wrap my mind around it. I was more scared of Jason, which as I got older, by the time I, I by the time I was able to afford like a one of those expensive leather masks, you know, Rob Zombie had came along and remade the movie. So yes, uh, by then, everywhere you looked, it was definitely a, a Michael Myers thing. Totally. Okay, well, I could talk about that section. All day too. Okay, so one fun question before I get into like your career path and whatnot. So okay. I understand you're a Pisces. Is that correct? Correct. I'm the last day. Any? So you're kind of you're obviously then you're right on the cusp. Any thoughts into astrology or being a Pisces or? Oh, you're, uh, you shouldn't ask me that one. You shouldn't ask me that one. Um, definitely into astrology. Um, definitely. Um, people try to be like, oh, astronomy and astrology are two different worlds. Yeah, it is, but it's, you're still talking about stars here, no matter what you do. And that's how the creation of life, that's where it all comes from out there. And um, so I, I, I do read like the astrology signs, but sometimes I don't really pay too much attention to it. I'm more into meditation and trying to get connected back in with God. That's what's up. Now, I study fun stuff, too, with astrology. And again, I don't know if this is true for you. Do you feel like since you are a water sign, you're like chugging water? Uh, <laughs> uh, I feel more I, I can feel when my body tells me, hey, buddy, you, you drink, you you sip on a lot of soda today. I need some water. Um, I definitely can feel a difference when I drink certain waters. I like alkaline waters. At first, I, I felt like I did not. And so friends would ask me, hey, what's, is, is, is it anything? I'm like, ah, it's all the same. It tastes like water, but not realizing 
I do. I did feel a lot more energized, more within the alkaline waters. I mean, our, our bodies predominantly water, and we're trying to keep the toxicity down. So, all right, okay. So, where were you born? Slash, where did you grow up? I was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm a military brat, so I'm about. They said when eleven months in, the only place I remember at first was Hawaii. Uh, Station the Schofield Bears. So both of my brothers ended up graduating from Little in Hawaii. We moved back uh, when I was about five, six years old. I had always, they said I always had a funny accent because of growing up on the island and then coming moving back to the south, which we are originally from North Carolina. My parents were originally from the coast of North Carolina. So grew up in Fayetteville. Went to a couple of few schools there, not a couple, but a few schools in Fayetteville. Graduated from uh, Jack Britt High School. After that, I attended Appalachian State. That's when we were still D1AA before they became the big time D1 school. And they're, they're looking very well up there and they continue to grow to keep the tradition going up there. Uh, actually, tradition is what made me want to commit to App State. I even committed a snowstorm. So it was crazy. My, on my official visit, a snowstorm came through. And I, and I remember looking at my hotel room, looking at the snow just covered the mountain. I was like, well, this is home. I'm going to make it. I, I like it here. And then just something about that night. I was like, you know, I'm going to keep it here. And it was pretty cool. I had a great time. At that. Awesome. Well, I do have to say I'm Charlotte born and raised. So love NC in the house. Awesome. Awesome. But OK, so to backtrack a little bit, how did you, you know, and I understand your brother played as well. How did you how did you guys get into being? I like sports or did someone tell you guys, you guys, you specifically were really good at it. You know, that whole journey, like how did that evolve? To be honest with you, I feel like I come from one of those blessed families where people are just fast in nature. Like, yeah, like sometimes people don't realize this is my cousin Skeeter and Bobo (laughs) when I was younger, who made me tough growing up. You know, there's a big age gap between my brothers. The closest brother won't play ball is 14 years age gap between us. Mm -hmm. So I had more cousins. Uh, I have got to hang out with Frankie. You know, they kind of made me who I am today. And then um, growing up on on the like, we played a lot of street ball while uh, in Fayetteville. So it wasn't like we did go out to the fields. And it was funny. I just went and seen some friends this past weekend who lived a few neighborhoods over. And it was weird. By the time we was in high school, so many neighborhoods were connected. We had our own little neighborhood football teams and we would literally go out to the open fields or find somebody on the street and it would be a straight up like all out this is a real football game if you can't cover me we're gonna roast you all day long so (laughs) that's cool it was it was it was kind of it was cool but crazy at the same time even obviously high school college nfl which we'll get to what's it like to play when you know everyone's looking at you um that's a great question. I, I, I really never thought about that. Um, I remember my very first game in college was against Hawaii. And when I was a child, I used to run up and down the stairs of that exact stadium that my brothers had played at. And so I, my D-line coach at the time, D coordinator for out, uh, Coach Jones, he was like, Oh, Marcus, you're you're gonna pee right down your leg out here. I was like, man, <laughs> cut it out, coach. And uh, and that game, I actually went out there and got a sack. And I remember just looking at the night, the lights in the field before the game. So like, whenever we went to like 
whenever I went to really big places, I always went and looked at the lights before the game started, which always kind of helped me. So once once that that light hit my eyes, party was over. I'm not gonna see who's in the crowd. You know, you might be screaming and hollering and calling my name, but I, I don't. I doubt I hear you. Yeah, and I and I totally understand that too because I guess you just you're just doing it. That's not yeah, that's right. you got you block that out to an extent, right? To an extent, like now, once once some of these fans get a little reckless and want to throw stuff at you, that's that's when things can kind of go left, obviously, which mm-hmm. we don't want. You know, we're we're out here just playing a sport, entertaining everybody. Um, but definitely the um the light situation. It was uh I I just looked at the lights and I just that's did cool. it for me. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> What was it like playing um, specifically at App, obviously, and it being so cold? Like, how do you, how does your body adjust to that? Or there, you just do it. The funniest thing is, like, when you are somewhere where it's cold, you get used to the cold. And then by the time I made it to the league, I started realizing the only time they really pull out guys from these warm weathers and stick them in cold places is if there's some type of coach's connection. Mm-hmm. That's it. But most times, these, Teams, draft guys, pick guys, they don't pick them from those particular areas because of the weather situation. Like playing in bitter cold, man, guys who are used to the warm, they'll go up there and just can't move. It's like, man, my feet froze, my hands froze. And if you don't you don't know how to get warm for that, you, party's over. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes even when you go to really cold places, like uh, it can get bitterly cold in uh, New York. In the Meadowlands, Buffalo, New England. Um, you go out to, to uh, Wisconsin. Linebackers come out there with no sleeves on. That that's a mental thing for the offensive side. They're like, man, I'm cold. Them dudes out here playing with no no shirt on over mm-hmm. here. Like, let's not, let's hurry this game up if we can. So. Yeah, because see, I, even though I'm like born and raised here, I went off to school in South Florida and stayed a little bit post. So my body. I'm more like a hot, you know what I'm saying? Like I love hot now and I, I adjust to that more. So now when I came back, you know, to the North, but to the South, LOL, I'm in my thirties, but I'm like, I feel like I'm an old woman. Cause I'm cold all the time now. Cause my body adjusted. Like you I, said, I want to say, thank God. My parents were able to make most of my games and you know, I'm just thankful my mom made. I remember she complained about me again. She was like, I feel like I sickle right now. So, you know, I completely understand. So any, like, was, is there one standout moment from Appalachian that you can share playing ball? I had, I had a really good time playing ball up there. Uh, I still talk with some of the guys I played with from college. There was uh game wise. I've had, a, I got a couple of games that, I mean, obviously the national championship game when, when I knocked the ball, I really wanted to grab the ball myself. I was looking for it. I knew it was loose, but luckily Jason, he saw it and he picked it up. And a lot of people don't realize Jason and I, we played mid, uh, midget football together growing up in February. Yeah. And um, we almost had a chance to play again together in That's Denver, okay. but I ended up in New England and I always thought about it. Like, man, if I just went on to Denver, I might have, you know, things were, things are different. Denver went through, had a good defense during those time frames when we was there. So, mm-hmm. but regardless of who I'm talking to and myself too, you always wonder like, what if that happened or what if this happened? But I guess it wasn't supposed to. Is that how, is that how you take it? I take it as, you know, how the, how the deal was structured between the two teams. Uh, New England deal looked better. 
in the end, obviously it was it wasn't the same deal. They they had something else, other contingent plans, which is hey, this is a business. I can't get upset about that. Parties over, everybody wiped their hands, and that was the end of my career after that. So now I love to I don't know if I, I love to ask a bunch of crap, but specifically when I'm thinking about players that are in college and then obviously, obviously the next step is NFL. Is that something that you prepare yourself for? Does someone come in and say, this is X, Y, Z that you need to do? What's that like? Most, most players who go to college, they are, they're thinking about making that transition to the next level. Excuse me. But you will see along the way, um, starting originally in practice, like, You'll see who's really good and who is like, mm, he might make the field. And then when you get on the field, it's like, okay, is he is this particular person standing out or is this particular person is just like just holding the position down? Like, so there are times when people who are kind of in a cross world, somebody will come to them and say, hey, you you can you can actually make it. You just need to do X, Y, Z. Um, I did have some people come out and say, I need to do X, Y, Z, but there was some. Uh, I was more considered an undersized linebacker for um, to playing in the NFL. But what always helped in my in my situation was speed. Speed kill. I've always used the model speed kills, and that's just true, man. If you on full throttle all the time, something's going to break. So mm-hmm. I just looked at the my opponent's offensive lineman, like just keep the speed going. After a while, something's going to break, and that's just what uh, worked for me. So I understand in 07, you go to the Eagles. Is that correct? Correct. I actually was picked up. Uh, the Eagles gave me the opportunity um, after the draft. So after the draft, the Eagles gave me an opportunity and came to camp. I ended up being cut, but they had put me on waivers for 24 hours because I made their practice squad, which was a great situation. And all God's honest truth, that practice squad actually – made me the better player that I became later on because I went up against Big Trey Thomas. Uh, I can't think of his name. His name is John. <laughs> John, you saw, even when I used to get past him, I'd be like, sack. He'd be like, no, it's not a sack. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm there, dog. <laughs> and uh, and we, I remember with Big Trey Thomas, he used to always tell me, come, let's get this work today, 6'5". And I was good with my hands. So during a pass rush, I would grab guys' joints. And once I grab your joints, I can make my moves from there. Just going against Trey every day, full speed, getting to trying to get to McNabb, but don't you can't touch the quarterback, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, I just learned how to get back there to, to the quarterback. And it was by the time I went to New York, um, I still wasn't playing the political game. I never played a political game. I never even thought about playing the political game until it was too late. And then even by then, I was like, I'm not having fun with it. Party's over for me. Well, real quick, when like when someone's like, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean like political game? Meaning like literally playing? Oh, there's politics and everything everybody does. No matter how high you go up in this world, there's going to be some type of politics. You, know? uh-huh. you want somebody on your team. Do you, you want this person in your corner. That's a great way to play the game. There's a lot of guys who understand that and can play the game that way, which lasts their career a long time, you know. But at the end of the day, for somebody like myself, who I just want to go and prove on the field my talent that I had, I don't want to play politics if that's the case. If I got to play this game, I guess I am going on. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. So from, I just want to make sure this is right. So from um, the Eagles, you go to the Jets? Correct. And was that, did you not want, like, what was that experience? Like, did you like going to the Jets? Were you all game for anywhere? Or? That, that was an awesome experience more than anything else. Um, when you're on the practice squad, you don't care where you go. Sometimes you just want to get on. Mm-hmm. And going to New York, I didn't still didn't, didn't politics did not cross my mind. I'm like, look, I'm here. I'm trying to block punts. I'm trying to go sack the quarterback. I'm just trying to make tackles. Like mm-hmm. that's it. So that I guess I guess you say that attitude kept me around for a little while for two and a half years because I got to play half the rookie season and then I played second, third year in New York. Um, my fourth year, that's how I ended up in New England, but. New York was just an awesome experience. Uh, a lot of I had a lot of family members who lived in New York at the time. Uh, just the Jets have been very welcoming to my to my family as a whole. Uh, awesome. You know, my brother played with them for a little while. He was actually drafted by the Jets. Um, and then when I came there, the fact that I even played as a rookie, you know, I didn't even it never even mentally dawned on me until after the league. You know, the people who were the rookies who was actually playing any any game, special team, defense, you know, they it was it was only a handful of us. Everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. trying to make it. Now I've only been doing um, specifically pro athletes and like the sports avenue and my study of it because I've always studied since a child just media culture throughout the country, what have you. But I've just noticed in the last month you know, nine months or so since I've been doing this show, that there are more brothers within the NFL than I think I maybe ever realized. Uh, yeah, um, definitely. I've always been told that they do the NFL like family ties because they feel like it's in the blood. Um, definitely in our household, it was definitely in our blood. You know, I had an older cousin who stayed with us, Kenny. He won a state championship. My oldest brother, Sean, he had an opportunity to go play uh, after high school, he had an opportunity to go play like out in the Midwest, Wisconsin area. And he just was, at the time, he said he was kind of tired. You know, it is what it is. Um, but yes, if you look around the league, there's a lot of um, players who dads have played. They're coming up now. Um, you got a lot of siblings. Um, I know, um, I can't think of his name. He was just here. They just traded him from the Panthers to Florida. Oh, um, yeah, he has siblings in the league and his father was, uh, was a Titan for the Broncos. So any, like, is that like, is that, was that helpful that your brother could, Hey, give you some advice going into the NFL? Is that a, you know, I guess I always wonder too, like, is that cool that there's like a comparison to a sibling? Is it annoying? Is it both? It has, it's, it has it's both sides of the, of the, of the board. A lot of people are like, oh, you don't want to play offense? No, I can't. I'm not an offensive guy. I'm not going to sell anything. <laughs> I'm, I'd rather go smash you down and call it a day. Um, <laughs> yeah, so not that way. But um, So I grew up playing a lot of Smash Mouth football, and that's just how Fayetteville was. It was more of a Smash Mouth football uh, city. And then when – so by the time my, we moved to Hawaii, my brothers brought that game with them. It was definitely different on the island. Um, that helped them pretty much get off the island at the end of the day. So comparison-wise, it was great. You know, people are like, oh, what happened if you played against each other? I don't know. We, didn't have, we never played. So I'm not even going to make those comparisons or speculations because 
definitely the game. The game was kind of the game of football is always evolving if you technically look at it. You know, it went from one face mash heel, we smash mouth into more to it's it's kind of a pretty game in a way. Like run your routes pretty, you know, sell sell it. So, you know, the defense don't bite on it. Because if the defense get a whiff of it, you know they go into the house with it. Now this is kind of like WTF, but so I don't know if I call myself a clairvoyant or whatever. Sometimes when I talk to people, regardless of being interviewed, I get images, right? Or like something going on. So two things as I've talked to you, something with your ear, like, was there kind of like something like someone pulled on your ear? Something that was a signal to you, something with your <laughs> ear. Was that a good luck ritual? Any connection to that? Uh, what my ears? No. Oh, man. Oh, my. <laughs> My uh, my my siblings always clown me on my ears. They used to always say I have big big ears. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm not messing with you. Yeah, it messing checks with out. You. It no, checks I'm out. Not with you. <laughs> cool beans, because you know sometimes like when I do have these images or vibes or whatever, I ask the individual and they look at me like I'm crazy. So I'm glad that that checks out. Second yeah. one, The Wizard of Oz. Is that your favorite movie or something? Yes, I, I I liked it. Uh, I definitely still watch it till today. It's um, it's a classic. It's a classic. Uh, what's it called? My oldest, my youngest son. He had dressed up recently. He un unwillingly looked like uh, Michael Jackson in The Wiz, and we had started kind of messing with him with that. So cool beans. Okay, cool, cool. Basically, I know that post NFL, you did Canadian football. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, that was, uh, I had mentally mapped it out of my head. I was like, you know, I know the Jets always give somebody from Montreal an opportunity. That was the only reason why I picked Montreal because they originally offered 100000 I turned that down. And I was like, no, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And then when he got up there, they wanted to be like, oh, we're looking for guys who want to play. Uh, we're looking for guys who, who really love the game of football. Yeah, I love it, but not enough at this pay cut y'all got going on up here. Mm -hmm. And I was hurt at the time. And they was asking me to take another pay cut. I'm like, yeah, book me a flight. I'm out. This is not for me. So that's when I officially just hung up my cleats after that. Now you said you were hurt. Like what, what was going on? I had dislocated my shoulder. You know, we went up to Calgary and Kai, he had came from uh, Cincinnati. He had jumped on a pod. I seen him coming. I'm like, you got uh -uh. the tap and it's just a bow. And when, and when, when he landed, it just, not my shoulder out of place. And even like, I can't take it off, but like if I ever take off any pad and you'll see a knot right here, that's not over here. And everybody always asks, Yo, what is that? I'm like, it's just my shoulder. <laughs> so basically it wasn't like when it was dislocated, was it ever popped back in or no? Oh man, it, it took a while to get that thing to pop back in. Like we was on the sideline pulling, hugging, oh, no. it just would not go. Was it awful pain? Oh, you want to talk about the worst pain? Yeah. I couldn't, I could probably lift my shoulder up about that far, tops. Like, I couldn't even do that, was a no go. Anything past this was, it was too much. And then, so I had to try to get my pads off that game. I just remember that was a painful game. It was a long ride back to Montreal. And then that's when the whole thought process, like, man, they talking about they didn't want people to love the game. You got to understand, I'm here because this has been a business. I learned how to use my body to make money to pay for things that I needed. And at this time, I had already started Morel Motorsport. So I was like, well, let me go grab this cash. I paid for a few cars. I'll come back and flip it. I did just like I said. And then once I came back, I never looked back. I was like, yeah, party's overdue. 
not messing with this. So did you kind of leave football as a whole on like a negative term or? Some would say it was negative. Some say it's not negative. It's all in perspective. I definitely left with more of a like, ugh. you know, I, I try to get it a chance, but I'm, I would, if I had to rewind the time, I would have never went up there. So it is what it is. Went up there to Canada, essentially, is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, even before, like, my father and I, we had put a plan together coming out of college. Like, hey, look, if you don't make the NFL, don't go run into Canada to try to make a career out of that. Like, you'll make more money working at the bank. So let's just ex made that ideology. And so when I went to Canada, it was definitely everybody in the house was like, ah, I don't know about that one, buddy. So I hold that. Um, any, like, out of your experience, you know, in football, any like was there a favorite coach that you had you can share? One one coach, he he definitely uh, Coach Jones. He was definitely a, one of my top favorite coaches here. He's a D coordinator at App, and he's a he's a he's a stone cold guy. That's all I can say. He <laughs> don't take no joke. Like right. Coach Jones, like just that's one thing I learned about Coach Jones was execution. Like when somebody says go do something, especially from a coach's perspective, go do it. If you if you got to constantly repeat yourself to a player, they just stop. Find somebody else. Find find me somebody else. And that's when I learned in college. I was like, oh, be be exact on what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make your cut here. If he said run three yards, then make your cut. Run three yards, make your cut. Don't go up here. That's with these folks. He said get on edge, edge, get on edge, edge, and it, and it all ended up working out in the end. Um, I had a coach in. Uh, I had a coach in, in New York that I really liked. And he had put me on the field. He gave me an opportunity, but my money wasn't right compared to the guys who was in front of me. And unfortunately, they fired that coach on the spot. Oh, no. And then that was like, party was over. And then it's kind of like, that's when I fell back into the, like, trying to play the political game again, which I wasn't in for. Um, I mean, the coach, coach, he was a great coach. I mean, he told me what he wanted. I gave him what he asked for. And then this wasn't part of, you know, quote, the team situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got you got a guy who's making four or five hundred grand, but forty million dollars in front of him. I want to see the forty million play. So obviously part of the show is obviously the athletes experience playing the sport and then post playing. So what what was that? transition like i mean i know you said that you kind of had closed that chapter but like tell us what happened to you post football post football like i said i started morel motorsports um everything started on the up and up just selling cars i definitely um was granted more opportunities to sell high-end cars because a lot of a lot of for uh higher-end car dealers wanted wanted me to use my connection to nfl but even at that time i knew what guys' contracts were worth, and I didn't personally feel comfortable trying to sell them a car. God knows what happened. I don't know how you're spending your money, and it's sad and unfortunate. So the cars and, and like cars, taxes, and financial advisory work is like how players get ran over constantly. And then the, the, the crazy thing is uh, owning a car dealership is one of the, the, the businesses that the NFL tell you don't get involved with. <laughs> Um, I'm just doing it on a, on a on a smaller scale versus a dealership, a true all out scale dealership where you got to hit a quota monthly. If I don't sell a car this month, it won't be the end of the world for me, you know. Um, but I ended up also n- learning 
that I needed to diversify myself, especially within cell. I really didn't want to go out doing too many hardcore. If I did any like real roughneck jobs, it was going to be within welding. I, I, I do like to tip well when I can on my own. Um, that's about it when it comes to like real, real style roughneck jobs. I already knew it was going to be something dealing with paperwork on the finance side. What is it like? And I mean, even obviously post career, um, how do you take inventory of people wanting to be in your life for who you are or even, you know, business deals or situations and offers and all of that? Um, you definitely, I, I definitely have learned over the years because one thing I would say, having an older sibling that played in the league, you kind of get privy to all the deals that they get introduced to. And then I kind of already knew how these, some of these people were, uh, especially these advisors. Um, if there's an 80, I always had it in my head. Look, this is 80, 20, 80% of us going to be broke. I'm going to spend the money where I want to spend it. I'm not going to get no financial advisor, any ideology, any money to run with. And come to find out now that I'm on the backside of the financial industry, I still see these same advisors selling these certain type of funds and securities to players who actually need more stable financial securities. But the advisor just won't make as much money off of it. And they don't know that much about it. So it just mm-hmm. is what it is. And it's sad and unfortunate. It's a vicious cycle that keeps going. So, I mean, just after all, I really feel like I've been on a conquest to learn a lot about the financial game. And to you know, to sell sell cars along the way. I mean, it just is what it is. That's all I pretty much do. Well, you had kind of mentioned something before I hit record about how maybe you observed other players spending money that oh, you know yeah. you took that. I don't know. I'm sorry. What well, I wanted you to kind of re- it, it, yeah. That. I mean, there's so many different ways. Like again, we, football players are always introduced to business ideas. You know. You get these contracts and you and you're making, let's say, just a minimum contract like six fifty now. You wake up one day, that's like a thirty thirty thousand dollar check weekly for for seventeen weeks. That's all you get. And then you gotta make that money last for tomorrow and the rest of your life. And I see guys, yeah, you can cash out on a Lambo today. You may have the money at the end of the season to cash out, but Technically, is this a really good financial asset to purchase? You know, uh, and then sometimes I see guys paying for vehicles that they don't they don't want to buy a car. They don't want to lease a car. They'll rather just rent a car, paying tickets. Mm-hmm. But by the time you shell out all them tickets and you pay for them tickets yourself, you could have just bought a car for half the price of what you what you selling out money wise. So it's, it's there's always different ways I see people coming at football players. It's a it's constant. It's constant. Well, you just wonder to, you know, it's so funny, like me, I've always kind of wanted to build some kind of program. I mean, obviously, I think I might have told you I'm not, I'm not there yet. All the ducks are on in a row. But something about there has to be something in place by the NFL that helps players just like any other business for retirement, et cetera. Do you agree? I'm going to just let's just call it spade and spade. Okay. Retirement is nothing easy that anybody can plan for. Mm-hmm. You, unless you are a person who truly live within your means and save twenty five percent or more of your money, mm-hmm. and then by the time you get to your retirement age, which is most likely in your late fifties, mid sixties, 
We talking about guys who are in their early 20s making retirement money. And you got to figure out how to make that same amount of money last year six. So it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do, but it, it is, it is, it is a You can't do it. You just got to be mentally focused and ready to do this. And you need somebody actually in your corner who can help you do that because I've only actually seen one player that I know of who just played one or two contracts. And then one day he just said, all right, I'm retiring. Party's over. And then like the NFL couldn't even really go after him financially because he fulfilled his contract. He did his duty and he went on home. And that was it. Well, and also too, there's a, just again, from my study of not only not understanding like the retirement or thinking ahead, what have you, but then you have all these people that like kind of assume that you're going to pay for everything or that come out of the woodwork. Right. You have a lot of people assume you're going to pay for everything. Um, Which has to be so annoying. It it, it can get kind of annoying. If if you, if you anything like me after a while, once I, once I felt like everybody looking at me to pay for something, party's over, I'm going home. (laughs) I'm going home for the, you know, I'm about to party at the house. Um, but I definitely would say my biggest thing um, is it, it falls back to these advisors again, especially uh-huh. investment advisors. Uh-huh. Investment advisors, they can manage money and they can also go through people's and be certified financial planners and and they can charge for that. So when you look at a lot of players who lose money, it, you, it goes right back to the investment advisor charging excessive fees for nickel and dime and everything. I'm only licensed with a seven and a 63. So any information I would to give a player, it's on, it's on the house. It's pro bono. I can't turn around and be like, Hey, pay me for that. Like, no, this is just, this is what you got to do. This is the proper thing you should do. It, again, these, the, a lot of these advisors like hurt me because, you know, they have family members who do have really sound, good advice, business plans together, but the advisor would be like, Oh no, that's not a good deal because one advisor is not making an eight and a half percent return because it's not a fun, you know, it just is mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Wow. So essentially, like, have you always been like a numbers guy? I, I've always been a numbers guy. Um, it kind of started when I was a child. I remember if like anybody would be like, let me run a store. You got a dollar on you? I'm like, yeah, here you go. I'd give them a dollar and then they come back and be like, uh, I'll pay you back when you get home. I'm like, yeah, it's a dollar fifty now. And it's like, I've always been that. <laughs> yeah, I've always been that person. I have no clue where it come from. And then, you know, my father, he was an auto dealer at one point. For the Cadillac dealership, which was, which opened up the floodgates even more to me and cars, and then later he jumped ship and got into mortgages, and so it's kind of like uh, I feel like I'm a spinoff of my my dad in a little bit of way, just sure. combining two yeah. industries that I just love, and it just you know I just was blessed to play football. Very cool. Now, do you? I always ask this: like, do you miss playing? Was that hard once that chapter closed? Uh, for me, I would go back and say, yes, it took me a little while to even watch Sunday football because mm-hmm. you go up here, you're laying on the couch, you're watching, and you see somebody blow coverage, and you're like, man, I can't watch that. You're right. blowing coverage. Like, you can't blow coverage, and I'm sitting home watching. Mm-hmm. So, but now, now that, you know, I have children who want to play the game of football, I got my oldest, he played, and now he he playing, he played baseball these past two years, like, very consistent. Now he's kind of getting the itch you want to play football again. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm willing to help them. My brother, he he helps me out whenever I do any coaching with them. So, cool. That's just where I'm at. I can watch the game now and just pass the information on to them and their friends. But there, there was no like 
fighting me wanting to get off the couch and be like, I want to go cover him. No, I'm on chill mode now. Totally understand. Well, maybe now, and I'm sure it's already happened that like you're experiencing sports through your kids' eyes and looking at it from a different perspective, right? Correct. Yeah, I'm definitely looking at it from a different perspective. Um, just trying to have fun and pass the wisdom on to them as well. Yeah. Now, I always love to ask this too. And I guess I kind of already know the answer, but I want to know your perspective, obviously, because you played and it was part of your life. Has the game changed? Yes, the game has changed. Um, a lot more money involved. Obviously, it's going to do that. You know, the money keeps mm-hmm. getting higher for the players, which is a good thing. And and, so, and, and you're going to be a retired player longer than you are a current player. It just, mm-hmm. it just is what it is. Um, still fighting for former players at, at all times out there, but it's the current players who's bringing in the most entertainment and money. Um, what do you think about like, or even, you know, I'm not like an analyst person. I'll say that. And I feel like that's kind of maybe obvious from my work, but definitely not an analyst, but I will say when I do watch it, um, kind of what pisses me off is this penalty for like celebration which I'm like, that's the whole point of the game is to get a touchdown and to celebrate. Is it? It's part of the it's part of the entertainment that some people just don't like. They like. I think it's a load of shit. And so they they like for guys to go score and just be like a robot. Yeah, I mean, it is you know everybody has the everybody has in this world has their own moral compass, and you know somebody clapping a little harder than the next person is not their moral compass, but they feel like their moral compass is better. And that's just the sad and unfortunate of penalties and life penalties. You know, people mm-hmm. want to have these life penalties in, ver- in ways that's like that. Yeah, I, I just, that's my only like WTF stuff. But um, also, so obviously I know you mentioned your shoulder. Anything, any other like lasting in- like injuries you can share? Or, you know, I talked to some guys that are like, I just always hurt. Do you connect to that or anything you want to share? I try to I try to stay in much yoga as possible because if I don't, um, I, I know I stiffen up like a board. So just waking up in the morning, it's like mm-hmm. eight, five, four, fun. You know, here I come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I, when I wake up in the morning, first thing I do is I try to do some yoga stretching just just to get it just to get it started, and then that's, that's awesome. how I can move. That's how I, I'm able to move around. But if I don't do that first move when I wake up, I'm not gonna be able to move for the day. Totally understandable. Now, I, I I do yoga like at least once a week, but I also do it just for like um, it helps with my like mental state. Honestly, mm-hmm. it does. I mean, it really can. Uh, yoga has a lot of benefits, which people don't realize. Um, if you can do yoga at an actual hour class two to two three times a week, just mentally, you, you're more involved. Um, your body's a lot more flexible. It's just so many things. You, you, that's your time of center, of getting more grounded to just life in general. I mean, really? yeah. Okay, so at the end here, I like to ask like off, you know, weird questions. Not that I haven't already, but ironically, today I'm wearing an old school Total Request Live shirt, MTV. Okay, okay, okay. Did you, was that part of your life? Did you love MTV? And if I so, used to watch MTV. I watched a lot of BET when I was a kid. Um, 
I, I would probably say growing up, I watched a lot of sports in it just because I wanted to play a professional sport. You know, outside of wanting to play football, I was into baseball. I wanted to be a professional baseball athlete. I wanted to do both. But mm -hmm. by the time I came along, you, you didn't really see too many like dual football players, baseball players, because football was just soaking up so much time during offseason. Um, and then baseball, that, that just got long as, as well. So. Who did you love musically? Like, did you have someone on, did you have Janet Jackson on your wall? Like, did you like, who did you like love musically? I was a, uh, I was a music guy, uh, a musical nut. So it's kind of like my mother used to, she said she used to listen to a lot of music when she was pregnant with me. So you ask people sometimes, they say, I know every song in the book. And I really don't. It's just, I just happen to, I can catch up lyrics. I don't know why. So like Prince, Michael Jackson, uh, golly, you name them, James Brown, Marvin Gaye, you know, all the way up to 50 Cent. Uh, I went, when I was a kid, I definitely was a Pac fan. I definitely liked a lot of Tupac. Um, man, nowadays you can catch me listening to more old school, a lot of Anita Baker. Uh, oh, wow. Bars, a lot of more older school than I did. And then like, even music, like when it comes to hip hop music, it's going to be like probably 2007 and back because the, some of this music, the only people I mess with now actually is probably like YSL. And unfortunately, they got a, they have a big case on their hands that they're fighting. So they, they don't really have time to make music, unfortunately. Um, but you just loved it all, essentially. Yeah, I'm a music, I'm a music guy. I used to play the tenor saxophone as a kid. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, you know, my brother, he played, he used to play like the drums and the cello. Um, my my children, they're into like the piano, drums, uh, still got the saxophone. So they're constantly playing stuff at the house. Now, again, I don't know why, but again, I'm, I I hear Janet Jackson. So like, did you, was that just a crush or did you like love her music or? Uh, I, I, li I listened to her for a little bit. I liked her music. She, I had my little crush on her at a point. Um, Janet Jackson was just... <laughs> Yeah, I, I like you. Okay, cool. That checks out too. Awesome, awesome. Um, and last final final question. So I'm into the unexplained. Obviously, I mean, I'm seeing shit and hearing shit. You can tell that, like, yeah. I'm that's I'm all about that. So I was mm -hmm. wondering, have you ever seen a ghost or something spiritual or had a crazy <laughs> dream that you can share? Oh my goodness. Um. I had a, 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 I guess, so-called ghost experience, but now I deny it. As the older I get, I deny more than oh, ghosts. Oh, no. Why? Yeah, because I, I don't believe in ghosts because if ghosts are real, our earth will be a whole lot different compared to to the atrocities that has come across people out here in this globe. Plain and simple. It's just it is what it is. The Those ghosts would have came back and done something about it, but unless... They are re unless these ghosts are reincarnated inside of the living and the living wakes up one day and stop being the dead. You know, it's just it is what it is. So I don't believe in ghosts. But when I was a kid, we went we was in uh, New Haven at the time and we was visiting my grandma, my I, my nan for uh, Christmas. And at this time, my brother, he was playing for the Jets. So like him and his wife and kids had came up to New Haven. Uh, it was me and my parents, my cousins. I was asleep, having to wake up and look. And the Christmas tree that my nan had put up was right there. It was everything that was there was in place, but there was like 
a live on party going on. And I, I see these people and these people see me and like the lights are on, but you got to remember it's nighttime because it's dark. The lights are actually off, but in, in my, in my dream or whatever I was having in my, whatever, Vision. the lights are on. I'm like, yo, y'all see me. And, uh, and I just remember jumping up. I'm like, yo, y'all don't see these people. And, and like the people looking at me drinking their little eggnog. They at the that window on the so cool. Yeah. And so um, that was my only incident. And then like, I mean, well, I had another situation, but most importantly, like, again, the older I get, um, I don't believe in ghosts. I'm, I'm more I'm more into reading on the books of from the past, more books on like. Outside of the Bible, I'm more into the Kabbalah, like reading on the Kabbalah, definitely reading. um do you have a red string on your wrist? A red string? Well, I always had heard something about, um, I mean, again, I don't know, but just something about Kabbalah. I remember hearing something about like part of the like practice, not to say that you're practicing it, but oh, like yeah, there's yeah, a I'm red, there's a red string and that when it falls off, then something like really amazing will happen. See, again, I'm just reading from, uh, 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 <laughs> I I, I'm not even reading from <laughs> I just had to ask. Yeah, okay. I'm just reading from a historical perspective. Okay. Like, definitely, um, I, I don't know why every book is drawn blank because I don't read just the Kabbalah. Oh, okay. um, definitely, like, the, the Mystery Systems, the Book of the Dead. These are things, uh, thought, understanding these people, and, and the information that was left from the beginning of time, not the information that's been taken rewritten and now people are all out on mind arguing about it it's like well still you arguing about something that's three thousand years old when i'm i'm trying to piecemeal stuff that's come back from hundreds of thousands of years ago this is what it is very cool that's cool to, to hear like both perspectives because usually i talk to people that like have seen it and have totally about it or just don't buy into it so it's interesting that you seem to be a little bit of both no uh, yeah, I would say when I was younger, I definitely was more into it. The older I get, the more I started reading on certain information and started realizing, oh, well, a lot of this information is just coming from this particular part of Africa. And dang, it just was hard for me to believe in the, to the other stuff that's been remade. I get it. Last question, though, the people like at the party, was it like obviously another time zone? Did they look like they were from like another time zone? They look more like they was from the 50s at the time. Real quick, um, I have seen a ghost or what have you, but I guess the most interesting part for me is that like I mentally blocked it out of my psyche for several, like a few years. So that was like the weirdest part. Yeah, some, that happens to some people. Where's yours happen at? Charleston. Charleston, Charleston always has something going on out there. Well, I mean, and I guess in all honesty, if you look at it, speaking of history, it's like, how could it, I mean, that was, I mean, so historically just a lot of, I think, not a lot of destruction, a lot, lot, lot of good lot, things lot happened there, yeah. fortunately. But all right, Marcus, that's it. What'd you think? It was awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today. I had a great time. Um, so look forward to doing it again. Yes, absolutely. I would love it. And like I said, I appreciate you for taking the chance because I know not a lot of people know my vibe or how I would go about it. But I appreciate you joining me today. Thank you for having me. Happy holidays.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.